You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 30, in your Bibles, please, Jeremiah 30. And we started last week and we got through about the first 12 verses and we just decided to shut her down and uh, finish this week. But I want you to notice in verse number 3 of Jeremiah 30, uh, God reminds His people through the preacher, through the prophet, God reminds His people that He was not done with them. God was not finished. God still had great things in store for His people. And I want to remind you tonight, God's not done with us. And God has great things in store for us. And you say, but what if we get a president that is, is against God? And what if we get a, a government that is anti-God? Well, it just seems to me, I've read in the Bible about some Christians that stood for God even under wicked rulers. And you know what's amazing is that those Christians that stood, their light was able to shine brightly. God was glorified, people were saved, people turned back to God, revivals broke out. And so I'm not really, I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm not worried about the outcome because I know that God still has a plan. And God's plan is so much bigger than a presidential election. You understand God's not sitting up in heaven nervously wondering what he's going to do. He's got it all under control. And God's plan and God's power are not hindered. No matter what we may think, God's plan is still going strong. Verse 3, For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. That was a promise. Notice verse 8. It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God. I'm glad that God is not done. And God is able to break the chains. He's able to break the bonds that, uh, of sin that have enslaved you. And the gospel of Jesus Christ can set you free. Hallelujah. God can break the chains of depression. He can break the chains of addiction. He can break the chains of, uh, of, of a past and a, a life of regret and a life of failure. And God can turn it around. Hallelujah for that. And then verse number 10. God says, therefore, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed. Don't be discouraged, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar. Remember, we talked about that. Oh, God doesn't, God doesn't have to be uh, within, uh, uh, within arm's reach of you. Now, he's closer than a brother. But God can save no matter where you are, no matter where you've gone. God can show up and God can save no matter the location. And then he says, and uh, the land of, of Jacob shall return and shall be in rest and be quiet and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, 
to save thee. That's where we started last week. I'd like to pick up now in verse number 12, and I'd like to try to finish the chapter. Verse 12, for thus saith the Lord, thy bruise is incurable. Now, that word bruise is not just talking about a, a physical bruise, but literally for the nation of Israel, their bruise was destruction. Their bruise was they were ruined. They were desolate. But he says, thy bruise is incurable. That's not good. We don't like to hear those words. Sorry, there's no cure. Sorry, there's nothing else we can do. Sorry, but you have X amount of months and that's all we think you have. But God says, thy bruise is incurable. Thy destruction is incurable. Thy wound is grievous. It was painful. It was very sore. There is none to plead thy cause that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten thee. They seek thee not, for I have wounded thee. This is God speaking. He says, I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquity. Because thy sins were increased, I have done these things unto thee. Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity, and they that spoil thee shall be a spoil. And all that prey upon thee will I give for a prey, for I will restore health unto thee. Now, hang on. We're just talking about these wounds and we're talking about these bruises and we're talking about there's no medicine, there's no cure. And now God says, I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, this is Zion whom no man seeketh after. Lord, would you speak to us? Help us to, uh, to be helped to be encouraged from the truth of your word. Lord, these are not just motivational thoughts. These are not just uh, encouraging words of man, but these are the words of God penned by the prophet Jeremiah for a nation that was backslidden, for a nation going into captivity. And yet you in that time, you revealed your nature and you revealed to your people your love and your faithfulness and your mercy. And God, I thank you that you are still a God of love and a God of faithfulness, and a God of mercy. And I pray that you'd help us tonight. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice verse number 12. We see their bruise, their destruction, their ruin. For the nation of Judah, this destruction was self-inflicted. Now, I think it's important for us to realize that this was not an accident. You know, if I, uh, if I, if I trip, and I fall down the steps and I break a bone, that was an accident. You know, if I do something silly, like, you know, I, I take a hammer and see how much my kneecap can handle with a hammer, that is a serious case of the stupids, right? That is self-inflicted. That didn't have to happen. And, you know, Brother Curry would be over here warning me, and Brother Ralph and Brother George, and you'd all be telling me, I'm like, no, trust me, I got it. But, you know, that would be foolish. People warned me. People tried to tell me. People tried to say, don't do it. And God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to Judah, and they would not listen. 
because they would not listen, they brought upon themselves a self-inflicted injury, a self-inflicted destruction. This was a result of Judah's decision to forsake God. We see here the reference here to a bruise that is incurable, a wound that is grievous, that is painful and sore. And then verse number 13, here's another problem. The Bible says there was nobody to help them. Have you ever been in trouble, but you knew somebody who could help you? You knew somebody you could call and they came and they helped you and everything was okay. But have you ever been in a situation where you were in trouble and there was nobody to help? There was nobody to call? There was nobody that could meet that need at that time? And God said about his people, he said, hey, there is nobody to help you. There is nobody, the Bible says, to plead thy cause. Now that phrase is a matter of law and judgment. It's the idea there's no judge to hear your case. There is no judge to minister or administer judgment or justice for you. There is nobody who can take your situation and who can fix it. There was nobody that was able to help. Now, I will tell you this, that God is our judge. And that ought to be something that uh, causes us to fear God and have a respect and a reverence for God that someday we will stand before a holy God and he is the judge of all the earth. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You better believe he's going to do right. You better believe he's not going to make a mistake. God's not going to make an error in his judgment. He is the righteous judge. But not only do we have a judge, I love this, 1 John chapter 2, the Bible tells us we have an advocate. Oh, hallelujah for that. We've got an advocate that will stand and will plead our case to the judge. And the advocate that stands and pleads our case to the judge is none other than the judge's son. Jesus Christ, the one who paid our price, who shed his blood. And he says, I know that they deserve punishment. I know they deserve death. I know they deserve eternal damnation. But Jesus stands in front of us to the judge and says, but I've already paid the price. I've already become, 1 John 2 says, uh, he has become the propitiation for our sins. He has become the substitute. Hallelujah. Not only do we have a judge, but we have an advocate. We've got somebody that can plead our cause. Verse number 13, it says that there's no one to plead thy cause that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. We've talked about that already, but we all have known people and we all right now know people who have been given the scenario that they're probably not going to get well. They're probably not going to recover. There is no medicine. There is no treatment. There is no cure. And those are very, very awful words to hear when a doctor has to say, I'm sorry, but we've done everything we know how to do, and there's nothing left that we can do. Notice verse number 13. There's no healing medicines. Verse 14 God says about his people, he says, all thy lovers have forgotten thee. They seek thee not. 
for I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy. That phrase there, all thy lovers, for Judah, this is referring to their allies, the nations that they have looked to and the nations that they had trusted to help them, the nations that they thought were going to bail them out. And they have looked to these people and these nations instead of looking to God. And now when trouble comes, guess what? Help is nowhere to be found. All those people and all those nations that they had put their trust in, now Judah's in time of trouble and those people are no longer there and they certainly are not there to help. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the story of the prodigal son. Remember what that prodigal son did? He went out, he wasted his substance with riotous living. It was the party life. He was having a good old time. And boy, don't you know, he had a lot of people hanging out with him. And by the way, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And boy, it can be real fun at times. But guess what? When the season's over, when the payment comes due, when the punishment sets in, all of those so-called friends are going to be gone in a heartbeat and you're going to be left all by yourself. And that prodigal son was there and the Bible says he found himself uh, 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 filling his, his belly with the, uh, the, the husks that the swine did eat. He was just trying to get full on the leftovers from the pigs. Now, I'll be honest with you, I am not even remotely close to a farmer. I'm not even remotely close to a country boy, okay? I grew up, and I know some of you Southerners are going to get some bitterness in your heart for a few minutes. Esther, this is what we deal with down here in the South. It'll be okay. You'll be all right. But I grew up in Northern Illinois. That's Yankee. And thank you for being patient with me. And I need your patience. Please just don't give up on me. But I didn't grow up in the country. I didn't grow up around animals. I didn't grow up around a farm. A couple weeks ago, we took uh, the girls and Micah, Joanna and I, we took our children to that pumpkin farm. How many of you have been to Allen's Pumpkin Farm this, this, this go around? It's kind of a cool place, isn't it? You know what I love? I love that it's not too far to drive and it doesn't take too long to see everything and you get a couple pumpkins and you go home and you call it a day. Hallelujah for that. But we went down to see the animals. And they had a couple little pigs down there. And, and I was reminded, the, these pigs, they were, not, they were not stuck in the mud. They, they were not confined to the mud. That's where they wanted to be. They were playing in it. They were having the time of their lives. They were literally, they had a little, a little spot with their food and a little bin, but they were literally digging their mouths and their noses in the dirt, trying to get more good stuff to eat. Now, that honestly, that is kind of, that's kind of gross just watching it. Can you imagine living in there with them? Can you imagine being so hungry that you were actually eating the same stuff they were eating in the pig pen with them? By the way, that's, that, that, is a, that is a parable, but that's what sin will do to you. That is what the wages of sin brings forth in a life. 
And the prodigal son, here was nobody there. All the people that seemed to be his friends were nowhere to be found. And Israel had forgotten God. They had forsaken God. And they had gone to other nations for help. And those other nations, they forsook Israel. They forsook Judah. When the time came, they were not there. God's people had gotten away from God. And they realized that there was no help apart from God. They found out the hard way. God wounded them, verse 14. God chastised them as his children. He punished them. He disciplined them. Their iniquities, the Bible says, and their sins were increased. Their, their sins were vast and numerous, and they continued to wander from God. Notice verse 15. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable. Now, that's an interesting word. Here it doesn't say that your wound or your bruise is incurable. It says your sorrow is incurable. Did you know that sorrow and depression and despair, it can destroy you. As a matter of fact, it can kill you. That is why... We must be so careful that we do not allow sorrow and heartaches, and we all have them. I'm not trying to discredit or downplay the fact that we do have sorrow. Am I, am I the only one, or is there anybody else here you know what I'm talking about? We all have sorrow, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. But you can't let sorrow control your life. You cannot let sorrow dictate your response, your actions, your reactions. You must not let sorrow take over. We're coming back to that. Hang on just a minute. Verse number 16. Um, Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured. God says that he would punish their enemies. God would destroy those that had destroyed them. So I'm glad that God can settle the score and God takes care of things. Don't ever think somebody's getting away with something. You might think so. I might think so. It may appear that way, but God is a holy God and God always judges and he'll take care of it. Uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. You will reap. I will reap according to what we have sown. But here's what I want you to see. Verse number 17. God shifts the gears here and he says, your wound is incurable. Your bruise is incurable. There's no healing medicines. There, there's nobody to help you. There's nobody to plead your cause. But then in verse 17, he says, for I will restore health unto thee. Now, now you think about that. That is encouraging right there. The word health in this verse, it literally means wholeness. It means to be made whole. It means to restore to soundness, to get back to where you once were, to get back to where you need to be. Now think about this. God says, I will restore health unto thee. Amen for that. And then he says, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Now think about, think about the God that we serve. He is a God who is a healer. Now, when Jesus walked on this earth, what did he do? He healed the sick. 
He raised the, the dead. He, he, he healed the lame. He healed the blind. He healed the sick. And somehow, we've got it in our mind that that was then, but God can't do that now. Well, I got news for you. I, I'm, I'm looking over here at Jonathan and Angie, and I didn't have your name written down here, but I'm thinking, you don't think God heals? Talk to them for a little bit. You don't think God heals? Talk to some people in our church who the doctor said there is no hope. It's not possible. And guess what? God healed. God can heal physical. And I'm glad that God can heal the physical. God can heal the spiritual. By the way, that right there is the most important healing that every one of us need. We need spiritual healing. Everything, all areas of life are connected to the spiritual. And God can restore your spiritual health. He said, I'll restore health. He said, I'll heal thee. He can restore spiritual health. He can restore physical health. He can restore mental health. And by the way, that is an area where our world, people are out of control because people are depressed and people are, are anxious and people are nervous and people are panicking all over the place. We need God. We need a doctor's call. We need God to come by and heal our mental and emotional health. And I believe God can. David, after his sin, he said, Lord, I need you to restore something. He said, I've lost something. I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. He didn't lose his salvation, but he lost his joy. And you know who can restore that? God can. Because he restores health and he heals of all of our wounds. And I'm glad that God can restore health. Exodus 15, we discover one of the names of God is the name Jehovah Rapha. And that name literally means God, Jehovah, heals. He is able to heal. Revelation 21, we get to heaven and we find out that in heaven there is no more, there's no more pain, there's no more sickness, there's no more death. How come? because God heals it all once and for all. Malachi 4, the final chapter of the Old Testament. We're getting ready to enter 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew. And in that final chapter, we see one of the names of Jesus and he is called the Son. Now, not S-O-N. In this case, it's S-U-N. He's the Son. You know what the Son does? The Son gives life. The Son gives healing. And the Bible says that He is the Son of righteousness and He comes with healing in His wings. Well, I'm glad I know Jesus. I'm glad I know the healer. I'm glad that He can heal me. I'm glad He can heal you. I wonder tonight, what needs to be healed in your life? What needs to be restored? Is it spiritual? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it emotional? Is it financial? Is it relational? Whatever it is, God can restore that. Verse number 17, because they called thee an outcast. That's not very nice. An outcast is one who has been banished, one who has been removed, one who has been driven away, one who has been told, you can't come back here. In Judah, they were called an outcast. But verse number 17, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Well, I got news for you. That may be what people say, but that's not what God says. You're not an outcast with God. He's looking for you. 
the Son of Man came to seek and to save. It says, nobody's seeking after you. Nobody cares about you. Oh, yeah, I got news for you. Somebody does care about you. His name is Jesus. And he won't let you stay an outcast. He won't let you stay banished. He won't, as the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel, uh, I'll give you the reference here, Second uh, Samuel 14, that the king will devise a means whereby his banished be not expelled from him. And God made a way for those of us who are all sinners and have all come short, God made a way that his banished could be brought back home. Hallelujah, for the restoration and the restoring power of God. Verse 18, God said, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. Thank God for his mercy. Judah did not deserve to come back from captivity. Judah deserved to go down. Judah deserved to have the final nail driven in the coffin. But God said, oh no, time out, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting about my mercy. And praise God for his mercy in our lives. Praise God for his grace and praise God for his long suffering. Verse 19, and out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. Say, well, what's thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, that's our response. That should be the normal response for the things that God has done for us. And Judah is coming out of captivity and God's restoring him and he's healing him. And he said, and there's going to be some thanksgiving coming out of Judah. I hope there's a lot of thanksgiving coming out of Victory Baptist Church. I hope there's a lot of thanksgiving coming, coming from the members of our church and from those who are watching and those who are listening. God's people ought to be the most thankful people in all of the world because we have so much to be thankful for. A voice, verse number 19, a voice of them that make merry. That word merry, it means to laugh. It means to play. It actually means to joke or to jest, and it means to rejoice. You know what would be good for all of us sometime in the next couple days? Just to relax, smile, laugh, tell a joke. And if you don't have a joke, ask Brother Caleb. He'll give you a joke. He sends us jokes all the time, and they're honestly, they're not that funny. But sometimes those are the best kind. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's the jokes that are not funny that actually make you laugh. You, do you know what I mean? How many of you have somebody like that at work? Do you have anybody like that at work? No? How many of you, you are that person at work that tells the jokes that are, okay, there we go, I was wondering. But, but make merry. Have a, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Hey, smile, rejoice, uh, a laugh. Enjoy life, enjoy the goodness of God, a merry heart. Then we see God says he'll multiply them, he'll make them great, he will glorify them. Now, I understand we glorify God, but this word glorify, it means to bring honor to his people. God said, I will glorify, I will bring you honor. Verse 20, their children also shall be as aforetime. They'll be established, and I will punish all them that oppress thee. Notice verse number 21. And their nobles shall be of themselves, and their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me. For who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord? Did you know God desires for us to draw near to him? God desires for us to be engaged with him, to approach him. Uh, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. 
The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and what will he do? He'll draw nigh to you. God wants us to be close. God wants us to come. God wants us to approach unto him. That word engaged, it means to be pledged. It means to be committed to God and to his will. Verse 22, God says, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Isn't that a privilege to think that we get to be God's people? and We get to call him our God. Hallelujah. Verse 23, God says, The whirlwind of the Lord goeth forth with a fury, a, con a fury, a continuing whirlwind. It shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. God will take care of the wicked. Don't worry about them. Uh, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And then we get to verse number 24. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he have done it, and until he have performed. That word performed means until he has accomplished the intents of his heart. That word intents, it means his plans and his purpose. Now hang on, hang on to this. Did you know that God has a plan? Now, we like to plan things, but so many times our plans fall apart. How many of you know sometimes our plans don't work? Uh, sometimes you have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C, and that still is not enough because none of those work and you don't have anything beyond that. But you know who has a plan? And his plan always works. It's God. His, his plans, his intents will be performed. They will be accomplished. I tell you, I want to be a part of God's plan, don't you? Whatever God's plan is for my life and for my family and for this church, I want to be a part of that plan. I do not want to miss out on what God has in store, and I want to make sure that my plans line up with His plans and not try the reverse. That doesn't work. And then it says this, in the latter days, ye shall consider it. Now, that word consider, it means to understand. And God says, well, everything I'm telling you right here, it may not all make sense. You may not have it all figured out right now. But in the latter days, later on, you'll understand it. I do not understand all that God is doing right now. As a matter of fact, I don't have the foggiest. I don't have a clue. You say, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know what's going on. No, I don't. But I know who does. And I'm just going to trust him. And I'm just going to walk with him. And I'm going to hang on to his hand. And I'm going to let him lead. And I'll follow. And wherever he leads me, wherever he takes me, when we get there, I'll be glad I hung on tight because God has a plan. We don't understand it, but someday we will. And in the meantime, we'll just keep praying, just keep trusting, and keep following Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.